Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It is Monday, December the 12th, and this is Blake Wilson, Lifeline's Senior Director of Operations. I'm glad to be back with you guys this morning, and we are going to continue the study of the book of Genesis and looking at chapters 45 through 47 this morning. And if you guys have been following along and you have listened um, week after week, last week we really left the book of Genesis um, in chapter 44 where a conversation is happening between Joseph and one of his older brothers, Judah, really pleading with Joseph um, for the, in a sense, release of the youngest brother, Benjamin, um, and really asking to trade places. Um, And if you remember, uh, Joseph planted kind of a silver cup in the bag of Benjamin. Um, really uh, trying to keep Benjamin and really a a bigger motive of trying to figure out the response of the brothers um, as they were heading back to the land of Canaan. So the brothers had come down to Egypt um, to visit Joseph. Joseph at this point still has not told them who he is. They don't know that it's their younger brother. Um, He realizes who they are. Um, He also Um, has a deep love for his younger brother, Benjamin. And um, this conversation ensues of keeping Benjamin because of, of what he has done, even though it was a, even though it was a plant planted cup um, from Joseph in his bag, uh, he, he wants to see their response. And, And Judah knows that his father, um, really, his his neck is on the line. He promised his father he would bring Benjamin back home um, in one piece, you know, without without being harmed. He promised Jacob, whatever, just let me bring Benjamin with me. And now um, he is at risk of losing his little brother Benjamin, and and is pleading with Joseph, take me instead. Let me stay, and let Benjamin go back home. And that's where we pick up today. In chapter 45, and Joseph has finally um, just a breakdown. He he shares who he is um, and really comes clean. And it says in the very first verse of chapter 45, then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. Couldn't control himself. He couldn't hold it together anymore. And he just begins to break down and share with his brothers who he is. And this is what it says. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept out loud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. You know, he stopped, he he cleans cleans out really everybody that's not immediate family. It tells the Egyptians to leave, tells everybody to get out. And the scripture tells us he's weeping um, so hard that even the house of Pharaoh heard his cries. 
and he tells his brothers who he is. I am just, there's a lot of emotion, 20 plus years of emotion crammed up in that one statement of him letting them know who he is. And he says, the very first question he asked his brothers, I think is so crucial, is my father still alive? You know, and I, I think when you look back um, in the earlier parts of the book of Genesis and you see the deep love that Jacob had for his son, Joseph, and when he found out that, what, what to his knowledge, that Joseph had been killed, um, just sorrow. The scripture tells us that he tore his clothes and he mourned. I mean, he was broken um, at the loss of his son. And you can see that that love was, was reciprocal from Joseph to Jacob as well. The first question after all these years is, is my dad still alive? But his brothers couldn't answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. I mean, you talk about shock. These guys were scared to death. What have we done? What is happening? There's a lot of stuff that has transpired in these three short verses in chapter 45. Um, and just, you know, it's it's like a deer in the headlights. Uh-oh, what have we done? Now he is in charge of this country of Egypt. Um, no response. It says that they couldn't answer him. So Joseph said to his brothers in verse four, come near to me, please. And they all came near and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land for these two years, and there are yet five years of which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and a lord of all of his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Guys, he had been gone for over 20 years. He had been imprisoned. Um, his life had just been a complete roller coaster um, of, of uh, experiences. But I love the way he took a step back and he was able to gain perspective on why all of this happened. And his response to his brothers, what love and compassion um, he exemplified. Do not be distressed or angry. Those were his words to his brothers after they after they sold him and disowned him. Don't be distressed or angry with yourselves. God sent me before you to preserve your life. And then in verse 7, he says, He sent me to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep you alive for you, keep alive for you many survivors. He's like, I'm do God did this for my family. And just the humility and the perspective that he was able to have after this. Is just so so remarkable, and I think one of one of an easy application piece for us in these first eight verses is just to remember the faithfulness of God in the midst of trials. Jacob had been through so much, sold, sold into slavery. He was put over the house of Potiphar. He was thrown in jail. Um, he was then put in the um, put over the house of Pharaoh. Like there's so much that happened in this guy's life, but the hand of the Lord was on him through it all. And he remembered the faithfulness of God in the midst of trials. And this was his first response of don't, don't worry about me. This happened for a reason. This had you're selling me into slavery and this lie that you plant planted in our father, Jacob. Was it wrong? Yeah, it was wrong. 
but it was part of the the bigger picture. It was it was part of the plan that God had to ultimately save his brothers and to save his family and to continue to fulfill the covenant that God promised and made with his great grandfather Abraham. So he tells him in verse number nine, he says, hurry up, go, go tell my father and say to him, thus says your son, Joseph, God has made me Lord over all of Egypt. Now come down to me and do not tarry. He tells him to go back and get his dad. Tell him to come quickly um, and, and tells him to um, return. And then he, he continues on in the next five verses um, that he, he just begins to, to go brother by brother. Um, and and just to weep with them and to hug them um, and to tell them that I mean I'm, that he that he missed them right in fifteen it says he kissed all of his brothers and wept upon them after his brothers talked with him. I would love to have been part of that conversation and to and to hear what his brothers had to say after they gained courage. But um, the scripture makes no um, no room for error as far as Joseph's response. I mean, he was just overcome with emotion, um, kissed his brothers, welcomed them in, and spoke with them. Um, and then it continues in verse number 16. And it says, When the report was heard in Pharaoh's house that Joseph's brothers have come, it pleased Pharaoh and his servants. Um, and Pharaoh's response was just so encouraging to these brothers and to Joseph and, and accepting his family. And he, he says, yes, tell them to tell them to come down. We will take care of them. And he even sends wagons so that he can take back to his extended family. And verse 19 says, take the wagons for the little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come. Have no concerns with the goods. The best of what we have in this land will be yours. So Pharaoh welcomes Joseph's family and even it, it displays again the strong trust and relationship that he had with Joseph, Pharaoh and Joseph had. Um, just the willingness to go above and beyond and to welcome these shepherds into his country. And they go on their way. So they, they go, um, they return, they return home in the latter part of this uh, and, and find his father, um, Jacob. So it says in verse number 25, so they went up to Egypt and they came to the land of Canaan where their father Jacob was. And they told him, Joseph is still alive and he is the ruler over all the land of Egypt. And his heart became numb and he did not believe him. But when they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said to them, and when they saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him and the spirit, the spirit of their father, Jacob was revived. And Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is alive, and I will go to see him before I die. So he learns that his son is alive, and he begins to make his way down to Egypt. And I love what happens next in the first part of 46. It says that Jacob is on his way down, and the Lord speaks to him in Beersheba. And this is what he says in verse 3. He says, I am God, the God of your father, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you a great nation. And I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again. And Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. So much happens in two verses here that we could spend the rest of our time together. But the first thing I want to point out is that God makes himself known to Jacob. And he says, 
do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. He knows that there's a lot of questions going through Jacob's mind of why would you tell me to leave the land that you had already promised me and go down to Egypt? This None of this makes sense. Well, the response, the reason is in is right after the comma. It says, for there I will make you a great nation. If you remember the covenant that he made with Abraham, he said, I will make you a great nation. Your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And this covenant was to go to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And now here we are with Joseph. Um, and this covenant, this covenant holds true that he will bless this nation. And how is he going to make them a great nation? He's going to do that in Egypt. I will make you a great nation in Egypt. And he says, I'm going to go down there with you. I myself will go down with you to Egypt is what God says, but I will bring you up again. So he reassures Jacob that you are to go to Egypt. I will make you a great nation there, but then I'm going to bring you back. I will bring you back. Now the Lord gives them just enough information, right? Because we know through reading scripture, this is going to be a a 400 year layover, right? This is going to be a long time in, um, in Egypt, where this these people, this the, these descendants will become great. And we will see what happens in the book of Exodus as they are finally um, freed and they are um, given the opportunity to travel back home to the promised land. But he doesn't tell him the length of time of what this is going to take. He gives him just, a mu- just enough information. So I think the second application point for us this morning is that that things won't always make sense, but we have to trust the Lord. This didn't make sense to Jacob to go down to Egypt. None of it made sense. But the Lord told him to do it, and he and he followed through. And we see the Lord's grand plan happen throughout this season. Now, will Jacob live to see it? No. It, it says here that Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. So Jacob will be laid to rest, and he will not see this happen. But we know that the Lord's words are true, and we know that the Lord is good, and he promises to make him a great nation and to bring him out again. And this is where Jacob will be laid to rest and will will, um, understand that this is just part of the Lord's grand plan. So verse number five continues, and it says, Jacob set out from Beersheba. So he hears from the Lord. He goes on down to Egypt um, in with, with his family, with his children and the and his wives on these wagons, and they go down to Egypt. Verses 8 through um, really down to 27 talk about the descendants and how many people come. And it tells us in the latter part of verse 27 that it was 70 people, 70 direct descendants were traveling down. And this was not including all the wives um, we know that there were multiple wives in this culture, but the direct descendants were 70, not including the additional wives. So this was a large parade of people entering in the land of, of Goshen um, down in Egypt. So Jacob and Joseph soon meet in verse 28 um, in verse 29. And it says, Joseph prepared his chariot and he went out to meet um, Israel, his father, in the land of Goshen, and it says he presented himself to his dad, fell on his neck, and he wept on his neck for a good while because he just missed his father. And I think his father missed him just as much. There's this beautiful picture of 
um, of just a reuniting of a father and son that you see here. And look at Jacob's response in 30. Now let me die. Since I have seen your face, I know you are still alive. He's like, this is all I needed. I just wanted to know that you're alive. I'm good. This is everything that I need. Uh, I, I'm, I'm okay to, to die now. Um, so he, he continues on and says, um, Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and I will say to him, my brothers and his, my brothers and my father's household who were in Canaan have come and the men are shepherds and they are keepers of livestock. Now I think that's super easy to gloss over, but you can see the reason he coaches them up in verse 33. He says, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. So he says, I'm bringing you down here. I'm bringing my family, but you're not going to be accepted because Shepherds are an abomination to the Egyptians. They're not going to want anything to do with you. But again, to, to, the, to the application we just shared, things aren't always going to make sense, but you got to trust the Lord with the bigger picture. Guys, this was a beautiful and strategic move um, on behalf of Jacob and really upon the Lord's bigger plan. Because the shepherds, were not accepted among the Egyptians. This put a level of protection for God's chosen remnant, that they would be kept apart, that they would be kept in the land of Goshen. They would occupy the land of Goshen. They wouldn't intermingle. They wouldn't intermarry. And it wasn't that there there was tension, at least in the beginning of this um, season, because they were blessed by Joseph and Pharaoh. They were given this land with with permission. But um, the Lord had called them to be this chosen generation, just as he had promised Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and now Joseph, that they would now enter into Egypt, but they would be kept apart. They would be kept pure. They wouldn't, they wouldn't intermarry um, and, and hurt the, the family lineage. And this was part of God's plan to protect them because of their profession. So I love the fact that, that, Joseph tells them to be very clear. Um, and Pharaoh's response in the, in the last part of 47 really just says, well, if they're that good of a shepherd, even you know, if, if they're gifted, put them in charge of some of my flock and let them oversee my flock. So you can see this interaction happen in the in verse or in chapter 47 of them getting, you know, of meeting, going before Pharaoh and having these conversations. But this is where I want to wrap up our time today. And it says, in chapter 47, verse 11, then Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramesses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and his father's household with food according to the number of their dependents. The last point I want to bring out is that the Lord's plan is bigger than our plan. This Lord's plan is bigger than our plan. This whole story has has been brought together as a master plan and story and narrative that the Lord is planning. Um, And now Joseph's brothers, his father, are in the land of Egypt, and we begin to see this nation become great and to multiply, and the covenant he made with Abraham hold true year after year after year. There were twists and there were turns, but through them all, 
Joseph's perspective was to trust and to know that the Lord was working. And I think we can learn so much from this as followers of Christ is, is that things aren't always going to make sense to us, but we have to trust and know that the Lord's plan is bigger than our plan. And we may not live to see what our part of the story is, but the Lord is working and interweaving his story um, or our story into his story to where we're not, we may not see it. We may be one small thread, but it is a bigger part of a larger story um, of how he is using us, how he's choosing to use us um, to reach others. So let's hold on to that truth today to stay faithful and to persevere as we saw Joseph model that for us in these two short chapters today in the book of Genesis. Guys, we're going to close out our, our time today just praying for um, our strategic orphan care and what the Lord is doing through our team and through our partners around the world. So guys, let's let's close out our, our time um, praying for those around the world um, who are just in need of, of the gospel and specifically those children who are at risk of aging out and just need to understand who the Lord is um, and how he can give them the hope that they are searching for. So let's pray for what's happening through strategic orphan care around the world. God, we pray for these 153 million children around the world who are just um, living in orphanages. God, those who are, who are searching um, for hope, who are just searching for the needs of, 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 a, of a family and just the day-to-day necessities. God, we pray, um, even in, for our own country, for those almost 40,000 kids who will age out of, who, who will age out of um, orphanages every day. God, I pray um, that these children globally um, will, will learn about you. God, that you will use our team um, to just impact these 40,000 children that we will have the opportunity, um, the small portion that we will have the opportunity to interact with globally. Um, God, that they may see your hope and your truth through those conversations. God, we pray um, for our team as they do this. Lord, it's what a daunting and overwhelming task to look at the sheer number. Um, but God, I pray that you give clarity to um, our staff. Lord, for our, our team um, in the United States, our, our global team that is working um, around the world, um, God, just prepare us um, for the work that is ahead. Give us stamina. Give us direction. God, may, may you be with our, our international partners and, um, Lord, just the needs of their immediate family. For many of them, it's medical tests and results and illnesses. God, we pray for healing and and favorable tests and results in medical care that they may need. God, we pray that those financial needs are met and that you send um, that financial provision that we know comes from you. God, we just thank you for um, our, our team here in the States and, and how you have shaped them and designed them um, in such a unique way to minister effectively around the world. And God, we just thank you and, and, and close with just saying thank you for those children who have been impacted by the gospel and have come to know you and enter into a personal relationship with you through the work of of, of Lifeline. So God, we thank you for this opportunity to serve globally. And Lord, we pray for many more souls to be impacted and to understand who you are 
and the love and the hope of peace that comes from you. So God, we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.